SN Sports Rap, Wilford, A.D. Drew, Jamie Walker. Damn it, guys, we'll do it again. We got to do it right. We'll do it again. There's an old saying. There's an old saying that we say in sports: "Do it right or do it again." So, damn it, we're gonna do it again. How you guys doing tonight? I'm good, brother. How you feeling? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm I'm buzzing over there. I'm buzzing over there. I don't know whose cords might be touching what. But uh, you're buzzing over there, Drew. Might be you, Drew. Might be you. You got you you, you got all the fancy electric electronics yes going on. How you doing tonight, Drew? Well, I made it for the top of the reboot. Uh, didn't make it for the top <laughs> of the original, but I am here for the sequel. And we're gonna, you know, the sequel will be shorter than the, than the original plan show. Yes, yes. I, I, I feel like I get a chance to go back in time and change some things that I would have changed that I'd like to change. So <laughs> that's what we'll do. Uh, so for anybody who's joining us right now, thank you, first again. off, for coming back in, in, again thank you. for joining us on the reboot uh, on YouTube. Shout out to the YouTube crew. Uh, shout out to Facebook watching us on Twitter. Please make sure you give a thumbs up to wherever you're watching us. Uh Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow my JBN, or excuse me, at my BCSN one. Download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app on the Google and Apple Play Store. My JBN slash my BCSN is where you can find the show. Okay, let's let's go from the tippy, yes, the top. All right, so from the uh, and, and since we got all of us here, we I'll, I'll just I'll just run through the feed. A lot of headlines. And things of that nature. Let's start with the big headline over in the SWAC. And it's Southern University taken out, uh, getting taken out, excuse me, behind the woodshed and beaten up by Texas Southern. Uh, I, you know, I don't think the prognosticators saw this one coming. Uh, I know there's a lot of people in SWAC, probably outside of Texas Southern fans, that might have been the only people who saw this one coming. And it was pretty uh, methodical in how they did it. Um, Andrew Body had a big night for Texas Southern. But more importantly, you know, this will be one of those situations. It'll be interesting to see how people analyze this game over the next 48 hours uh, or even uh, today. Are you analyzing this as a game of 
Texas did so many right things that they made it impossible for Southern? Or do you look at this game as Southern and the two interceptions in the first half after TSU scores? The two turnovers on downs, one of them on uh, the two-yard line on a fourth and goal, the other near midfield, which then turned around into a score. Do you look at Southern's first half and say, yeah, you guys buried yourself in such a, in such a way, you really had no way out of it. So, Jamie, which way do you look at this? I'm going to start with you first. And, and how do you look at this game, or how do you think we'll look at this game? I think you'll look at it as a little bit of both. Um, I think you you are seeing the ascension of um, Texas Southern. If you look at that post-game speech that um, Coach Clarence McKinney kind of gave, you saw the emotion in his eyes, and you can tell that that team really, you know, it's been eating at them that they got off to the start that they did. Uh, but I also, you know, and, and, and kudos to um, quarterback Andrew Body, who who was phenomenal especially in the first half of that game. Um, but if you look at Southern and really not being able to tell what kind of team they were um, in their first two contests, of course, you know, winning by such a, a large margin in um, the uh, Florida Memorial game and then, you know, losing by such a heavy margin against LSU, you really didn't have a grip of what this team was. We talked about, you know, them having a signal call and who that was, Bashawn McCray coming in, um, being able to kind of, you know, get this offense on track. But we didn't know who was coming in. And so it was one of those things where um, I think you saw a little bit of both. Southern may not be who we think they are. And I think Texas Southern is clicking on all cylinders going into this game. You, I'm Brian. sorry. I'm saying, Drew. How do how do you, how do you look at this game? Were you one of the people that uh, in the preseason picked Texas Southern to finish third? No, Brian. I did not pick Texas Southern to finish third. I okay. picked Texas right, Southern to would... finish second. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Okay. <laughs> so, if, if if you go call me out, call me out correctly, Brian. <laughs> give me give me all of my props. I picked Texas Southern to finish second. It was all Brian, set up. Drew. That I was said, a good setup. I set you up. I set you up for that one. Go ahead. You know, I I, I said this, and uh, Jamie kind of laughed, but I said this when we was at our uh, brief pre-show. Uh, the title of this show should have been "Past Performance Does Not Necessarily Predict Future Result." Texas Southern game one got taken to the woodshed by preview. They 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 ran over them like they were a piece of roadkill with their, with their running game. They did. They did. Game two did not look too much better for Texas Southern. Let's flip that. Prairie View, game one. Beat up on poor Florida Memorial like you 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 was dating your, somebody was dating your little sister and they just did her, your little sister wrong. Then they got they, they got whooped on by their brother in across town, like they were dating somebody's uh, little sister, and they did somebody's little sister wrong. So, would you take a look at this game, Brian? 
this game was an even matchup. Both teams had 352 of offense. Both yep. Southern ran 70 plays. Texas Southern ran 66 plays. Southern had the ball 29 minutes and 28 seconds. Texas Southern, 30 minutes, 32 seconds. And you go you go straight through this stat sheet. This should have been a last-second field goal game. What was Agreed. the difference? What was the difference? The one stat line where Southern had a, a significantly higher number than Texas Southern. Turnovers. Three yep. interceptions are the difference yep. in this ball game. That allowed Texas Southern to get off to that early lead. And when you have a team like a Texas Southern or any team that's been down and they get up on you early, two, three scores, even though you on paper have the better talent, you just gave that other team all the confidence in the world and everything that they need to win the ball game. And then you get to the fourth quarter, all you got to do is play small ball, hold on to the ball, play smart, two, hand, two hands on the ball, two hands in the bread basket. Don't turn the ball over. Don't try to get that extra yard. You know, when you got two of them on you, what's the rule, Jamie? You got the lead. You got two of, two of them on you. Go ahead. Go, just go to the ground. Right? Yep. You don't need the spectacular right now. We need the clock. And that's what Texas Southern was able to do. Yeah, you mentioned three turnovers. I'm going to add two. Turnovers on downs should be a turnover category itself. And uh, when you when you give up what could have been a potential Southern field goal, four. Southern over four or fourth down. You- yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, that that that's the difference in the ball game. And so where look, I, I'm as much as you gave Texas Southern credit, and you picked them second. I did pick them to win those first four conference games. So I, you know, I, I feel pretty good. Like I picked. Texas Southern back in July. I didn't have the guts to do it last week. So I don't know. Maybe I'll refine my courage uh, in the next conference game for Texas Southern. Uh, and, and, and for Southern, I think a lot of people who were picking Southern to win the West might be scratching their heads, might be scratching their heads. One of the teams that I think, will be challenging and, and is, should be considered a challenger in the West is Alcorn State. Uh, we saw what Alcorn State did against Stephen F. Austin. Uh, I don't even know what we, what that was at Baylor. Might have been a bad flu running through the team or whatever. But uh, they showed up against McNeese State on the road, in fact. And uh, they, they, they knock off what we call, Drew, the 13th member of the SWAC. Finally. Used to be the 11th member. They used to be the 11th member. Used to be the 11th. Yeah, and then became the 13th. Exactly. Exactly. They, they, 15 straight games, McNeese State had beaten a SWAC opponent. Let's just put that in perspective. I don't know how far back it goes, but I, 15 is pretty significant. And that's at least one a year, I would guesstimate. I'm guesstimating that. And against Alcorn, they beat them four previous times. So, big win for Coach McNair, big win for this team, uh, leading 21-3 to at half. Uh, it got close to within maybe a touchdown in the third quarter, but Southern's defense uh, showed up. The impressive stat line for me, 
guys, is that they ran the ball 52 times. 52 times, 215 rushing yards. Um, their opponent, uh, of course, McNeese State, uh, only, you know, 32 times. And really, I mean, that was the big key. I mean, Southern, I mean, uh, Alcorn, I mean, there was only really a five-minute difference. But what do we always say? If you're going to beat somebody out of conference, you have to, A, win the turnover margin. Alcorn plus two. You also um, have to not beat yourself with penalties. Penalties. Alcorn, three penalties for 45 yards. McNeese State, eight for 90. They did everything they needed to do, and then they outrushed them. So uh, kudos to Coach McNair. Jamie, talk a little bit about the significance of Alcorn's win uh, against uh, McNeese State. I think it's huge. I think when you're talking about um, the SWAC and and a lot of flack that they oftentimes get is their out-of-conference schedule and winning those out-of-conference games. So when you can add that up, um, especially um, in the the name of recruiting, when you can you know win those games, especially with teams that are out of conference within your footprint, I think it's huge. It's also huge just in regards to um, playoff contention. You know, fam, you were was able to get in the playoffs last year, um, in part to you know playing within the SWAC, but along with that, just you know out of conference games that they played within you know beating MEAC opponents as well. So when you're talking about out-of-conference opponents that you're able to win, um, you you actually give a look regardless of you winning the conference or not. Right now, the way they played Stephen F. Austin and the way they played McNeese in in beating them, I think they are firmly um, entrenched in getting a look regardless of whether or not they win the West um, and go into the Celebration Bowl or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drew, what's your your take on uh, Alcorn State's big win? I'm going to take it uh, into more of a macro picture. Fellas, can y'all think of the last time that we've had not one, not two, but three FCS HBCUs beat other FCS schools that are not HBCUs on a given Saturday, and I know we're gonna get into the other uh, two games in in a moment the uh, the Morgan State game and the uh, uh, the Central game. North Carolina Central three, yeah, three HBCUs defeated three HWCUs on the same level on the same weekend in non-conference matchups. I'm not talking about Hamp- Hampton beating somebody in the Big South. I'm not talking about Tennessee State beating somebody in the, uh, uh, in the OVC or North, North Carolina A&T beating somebody in the Big South. Those are conference games. These are these are games we did not have to schedule. And we went out, we scheduled them, and we won. Think about that. Big wins. Yeah, I, I can't remember mm. – It'll be interesting research. Uh, you know, put that out there, and maybe somebody will, who's got the time to do the research, and we'll, we'll post that in an article. But I, I can't recall in recent memory when that's happened. Uh, so that's a good stat. Uh, we'll, have it, to, we'll have to take it, a look at if, that. If if it has happened, I guarantee you, it was three MEAC teams, because you know the squack was about oh for a decade outside of the conference. There, 
So it had to, it would have had to have been three BAC teams or two BAC teams and and Tennessee State. That's that 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 would be where I would even look at my research. I wouldn't even look at a SWAT team uh, for this. Yeah, and, and well, I tell you what, I gotta got... bring this up real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, go ahead. No, no. I, I mean, Chuck Hunt. I gotta give you kudos for a second because you're in in my thought process too when it comes to the era of the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness, and how you're seeing certain stuff, you know, not be what it used to be when it comes to beating people. You know, it is truly, I think, leveling out the playing field when you're able to navigate the transfer portal and get certain players, and now you're competing where you weren't able to compete before. I think that's a very good point. Small, Very small sample size, but, yeah, I think we ought to start – from 2022, uh, you know, I, I guess, and say this is the full year uh, of the transfer portal, and, and then we can kind of look at it from this point going forward. Uh, now two consecutive weeks that a SWAT team has beaten um, somebody from out of the uh, Southland or one of the other uh, conferences in the FCS. That helps with the ratings. Put it like that. As good as it's, you know, it's great that you. It's I was saying it's great that you have Jackson State doing what they're doing, but then you also need help from other teams beating up or beating teams from these other conferences. I was going to say, speaking of ratings, two of the teams that we defeated were top twenty-five teams, fellas. Mm-hmm. Two of the three teams were top twenty-five teams. Biak defeated. Rated teams. No, no offense to Big D State, but uh, Morgan State and Central defeated two top twenty-five teams. Well, Sacred Heart wasn't top twenty. Sacred Heart was top twenty-five. I'm sorry, Sacred Heart was a playoff team last year. I don't know if they were top yeah, okay. twenty-five. I believe they were a playoff okay. team last year. Okay, so I maybe all right. Well, let's. No, hey, let's jump over to that headline because North Carolina Central traveling on the road up to New Hampshire, taking on number 25, New Hampshire, who both teams unbeaten going into the contest. Central gets a 45-27 to 27 win. It's all about Davius Richard. Uh, 18 of 27 passing, 194 yards, two touchdowns, 16 carries, 140 yards and a touchdown. North Carolina Central, I don't believe, ever trailed in this game. And uh, the number two team in at least the HBCU Pro Sports Media poll, probably number three or four in a lot of other people's polls, are sitting now undefeated. Uh, they got Virginia Lynchburg coming up. Then they got Campbell. It's, it's possible, you know, at this stage that Central could be rolling into conference play unbeaten. Um, you know, uh, jokingly, Jamie, you know, we, we talk about the, you know, the success that Central's uh, juxtaposed to that from your alma mater. But uh, how big of a win in the in the uh, North Carolina region or just in the MEAC is this for Central? I, I think it's huge because it gives um, number one, it gives South Carolina State a quality um, opponent, uh, especially if they. Uh, like I predict this week will be ranked. They absolutely should be. 
because if you look at the quality wins um, against North Carolina NT, they absolutely controlled that game from start to finish, and it was never a threat of um, ANT actually winning that game. Um, as they moved on to Winston-Salem State, you know, not really a, a, a game that they gave. But when you're talking about um, just how big it is, you know, Central is one of those squads that are always, um, if they have quality coaching and if they have uh, recruited well, always has been a sleeping giant. Now, they're not con- as consistent as a has been. But what I'll tell you is they're a proud program. So when you're talking about being within that region, you know, right now, you know, the people I've talked to, even though I'm in Georgia, you know, I have my North Carolina connections. Um, right now they're excited because the expectations was not this. I think the only people that expected that squad to be what it is right now were those um, coaches and those players. And when you're talking about having, again, I was able to talk to Brandon Codrington and, um, and Davius Richard at Media Day, at uh, MEAC Media Day. And what I can tell you is them, along with head coach Trey Oliver, they had a huge chip on their shoulder. Uh, There were some reports of how they were going to finish, and it was like, okay, cool. You don't, you know, cool. We're we're, we're just going to go play. And right now, they are playing like they've been disrespected. So I I think um, it's huge for what they're doing right now. South Carolina State is, is who they are when it comes to both offensively and defensively, although I still have some questions about their offense. Kendra Flowers is running the ball effectively, but Corey Fields, you still have a question mark about, but their defense is still very sound. But when they match up, when that game occurs, um, honest, well, quite honestly, you're going to find out what Central is um, against Campbell because I, th- I still think Campbell um, is an absolutely quality opponent. Uh, so you'll see who are they, they are. You know, but yeah, no. uh, they are. They're not ranked yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah they're not and ranked yet. But I, I, they talk about on it too. Yeah, yeah, it is. So I'm not sure exactly what what Campbell, you know, what people thought Campbell was going to be. But I mean, you know, I saw a little bit of their matchup against um, East Carolina yesterday. They were in that ball game in the beginning, but just the talent just kind of, you know, got away from. Them. You can see the difference. FBS, FCS. Um, but nonetheless, man, you know, you're looking at at, at you know. Um, a central squad that is able to, to, you know, do some big things and they may dance their way right into the celebration bowl. But, you know, right now they're playing quality football. What do you like about the win by uh, central drew? I like how this win and follow, follow me on this central wins the rest of their non-conference games. Central happens to lose to South, their South Carolina State team that Jamie is speaking of. They wind up 10-1 on the season. They wind up 8-1 as far as the FCS playoffs are concerned because the VUL game and the Winston-Salem State game would not count towards their record uh, for the for the for the uh, FCS playoffs, I'm here to tell you, Central this year with the eight and one FCS record has a better resume than Fam you did last year with a nine and one record to get it to, to, as far as getting to the playoffs. If they happen to lose 
that that one loss that they can only afford would have to be to South Carolina State, and South Carolina State would have to, in in turn, run the table in the MEAC. Central should be in some type of postseason, either in the Celebration Bowl or the FCS playoffs. I'm calling. I'm just putting that out there in people's heads early. <laughs> hey, uh, a couple of interesting stats again. Turnover margin uh, plus two for Central. No turnovers in the ball game, right? Also, third down efficiency, twelve of fifteen on third down. Um, now, you know, New Hampshire was four of eight, which is pretty good. But I'm, I'm telling you, twelve of fifteen is pretty doggone impressive. Um, e- even though, in terms of number of first downs, they they uh, they were minus three, twenty eight to twenty five on total first downs, but total yardage went to Central. And they outrushed them 205 to 65. <clears throat> Jamie, you brought up the point earlier that you worried about Davius Richard and the amount of work he's getting. Um, do you want to expand on that or, or what, or maybe talk about why that is a worry for you? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think um, when you're looking at who, you know, those stat lines again, 16 to 27 um, in passing, which is very efficient. But the 16 rushes for 140 yards, he's running the ball a whole lot. Um, and without looking at the distribution of runs, whether it was, you know, quarterback powers and things of that nature, or was it, you know, scrambling, um, that's, a, that's still a lot of runs for your quarterback. So what I'm wondering is, um, because I think Central went into the offseason wanting to address the offensive line, and then being able to run the football uh, was important with their actual running backs. So if he's leading rushing, because that wasn't the only game. The, the, the A&T game, he led them in rushing as well and had some really um, key runs to be able to move the chains. But um, what you hope is that, you know, he doesn't get hurt. I'm going to tell you what. You know, Norfolk State, for example, plays some really good defense. Um you know, of course, South Carolina State plays some really good defense. Um, of course, you know, they're going to hit you in the mouth. And so when it comes to him, you know, being a leading rusher, I, I think, you know, we need to examine that maybe a little more. Um, but I think that, you know, he's doing what needs to be done for them to be able uh, to to do what they do offensively. And right now it's working. I just hope, you know, the young man stays um, in good health because you would hate to see that team because I think this team – um, really has an opportunity here to, uh, you know, de- depending on who comes out of the swag, uh, to make some noise, um, either as the winner of the conference or as a playoff opponent. And, and if Central, you know, AD is spot on. This team does have a better resume than that, um, than that FAMU team of last year, only because of their out-of-conference um, wins so far. And along with, and, and, and you know, I know y'all fam, you guys, but I'm going to say this. I think the one-point loss got them in the playoffs last year against Jackson State. And, and of course, running the table with it. But that one-point loss definitely was, you know, in the eyes of, of those selection, um, those people selecting the team. So I think Central does have um, a better resume overall. I think AD is, is, is absolutely spot on with that. But, again, the way this team is playing, I think, Playing Campbell coming up, 
I think playing South Carolina State coming up, I'm not going to say Norfolk State, you know, isn't the team we thought they were going to be. I think they still have, you know, they got J.J. Davis. So we'll see if they are still, you know, quality. But they got that loss against Hampton um, this week. So we'll see. We'll see. My my way too early uh, pronostication. If and you what? know we like to use the phrase if the season were to end today prognostication you know what I'm saying I dog it <laughs> how do you spell that go ahead I'm kidding go ahead prognostication you know AD is a numbers person go ahead AD is a numbers person you you the English man you the you the you that guy. It's all good. I love you, Drew. I love you. <laughs> but, Go ahead. You know, if, if the season were to end today, and I know it's only week three, but <laughs> we haven't got to the halfway point. We're still at the first quarter. But just based on what we what I've seen so far, is Central the only team that could give Jackson State a run for their money right now? No, 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 no. I think South Carolina no, State no, no, is no, still. No. Yeah, let's yeah. Not, I think let's South not get it. State, let's absolutely. not get it twisted. Central is at the top of tier two. I hear you. Central is at the top of tier two. Tier two. There's only one team sitting on tier know. one. That's what I'm trying to okay. tell you. There's one team sitting on tier one. I would say okay, Central is right there on top of tier two. That's it. There's there's by themselves. Yes, I yes. Yes, there's only one team right now in tier one. Short of some injuries that pop up, I'm, you know, and everybody, and then everybody, everybody else is playing uh, for for uh, to be the hand of the king right now. Is uh, to to uh, to as I like to reference my some, game some people playing like they're the court jester right now. Let's move on to the next game. Yeah, <laughs> hey, uh, Morgan State and Damon Wilson get their uh, first win, first win, and we saw this coming. You guys were, uh, I think, Drew, you made a made note of. Uh, Morgan building and how they were getting better uh, week to week. Well, they finally get a win over Sacred Heart. Uh, got, uh, brought up the – they were uh, conference champs last year, I think, in the NEC, went to the playoffs. They get a 24-9 win, pretty much controlled the game. Statistically, it's a pretty even game. But, um, you know, Morgan really – I mean, they gave up a safety in the second quarter, but they already had a 10-0 lead. Um I, I mean, this is a game that Morgan pretty much controlled. They gave up a very late touchdown, but uh, th- this game really was not in doubt for Morgan. Uh, so a good win. Congratulations on the win. And, and they just keep building. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's much to take away from this contest other than, hey, it's the first one, and it came in week three. And it just opens up the door. And just let you know, watch out. Damon Wilson is building something in in Morgan. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, and who did they ahead, open Drew. up conference play against? Anybody want to take a wild guess who their first conference game is? I'm gonna. Oh, I'm gonna cheat. Without I don't know. You without you tell me because I was about to cheat. Go ahead. Howard. That, is that, it Howard Central? That first so, conference. Oh. Uh, the oh. Central's first. They are Central's first conference matchup this year. Ooh, wow. So that right. became, that matchup just out. became more interesting. Matter of fact, yeah. that is the conference opener for both both teams. So the question is, is Morgan, 
Is Morgan going to be what, I think I'm saying this right, are they going to be what Central was last year? Is the team that you don't want to play, you know, and how, basically Central was the team that they affected the outcome for, for Norfolk State and they pushed South Carolina State to the limit as well, but came up short. I think they finished second or third, right? But this year, is Morgan going to be the team that, you know, you may not want to play late in the year because of how they're coming around? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're not going to do anything but get better. Um, If you looked at that game yesterday um, against Sacred Heart, they smacked them in the mouth defensively, but they really couldn't get on track offensively. I think the quarterback plays inconsistent. And they played both of their quarterbacks yesterday. Talking about Morgan State, um, and and so, you know, Damon Wilson. If you go back to his Bowie State days, and just really, you're talking about the same people um, when it comes to coaching staff. A lot of the same personnel, um, staff wise, and they like to run the football to rest their defense to be able to play at an optimal pace defensively. So when you're looking at you know, them being able to run the football effectively and them being able to continue to move the chains. I think, you know, once they get that together, and I think that'll be towards the back half of the year, watch out. They're going to be scary. Uh, So, yeah, I think they'll do nothing but get better, and they're going to be one of those teams at the end that's going to get somebody. I don't know who. They're going to get somebody. Morgan has a bye week coming up, so they've got a great win going into a bye week, which is what you always want. They've got VUL coming out of the bye week before they open up conference play on the road at Norfolk and then at Central. Okay. Um, yeah, at that, that point, they, you know, for them to get a win. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to project too far, but it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, hey, before we talk about the, uh, uh, the, the Battle of the Tigers, you guys do know there's a third team that's unbeaten in uh, HBCU FCS play, right? There is a third team that is unbeaten. You guys know that? Do you know who the third team is? That's the team that I, stole I the U. <laughs> no, they, they didn't steal it. They 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 own that thing and they ain't giving it up. It's locked. It's locked in a trunk, and that other school in DC ain't getting it. Might not get it for some years. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the Hampton Pirates, uh, they are uh, unbeaten. Uh, the Battle of the Bay against Norfolk State. They traveled to take on Norfolk, beat them 17-7. to And I wonder, preseason, Drew, we, we did this. And, Jamie, I don't know where you thought Hampton might be. But when we looked at the schedule, we thought, okay, there's a chance Hampton could be 3-0 and going into Colonial play. And I know the preseason predictions. Who, who said that? Who said I, that, Brian? You might have said no, that. No, I, I didn't say that. I, and oh, and you, you can't you can't go back and find one recording where anyone said Hampton was going to be three and zero going okay. into. I'm, check the tape. I must have said it because I wouldn't. I wouldn't just make that up. I, I swear I wouldn't just make that up in my head. I must have said it. I must have said but it. It has but to come out three and zero. Is it three well, it, and zero, or were we talking about the only three wins that Hampton may get? Would, does, would be does it at matter? the hands of does, of, it, does it matter? 
<laughs> it's the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> At this point, it's the same thing because I think it may have been what you said, Jamie. But anyway, uh, in order for B to be true, A would have to be correct. See how that see how that works. Uh, so, but anyway, yeah. But but I wonder now the fact that Hampton three and they've looked very good in three wins defensively look good in three wins. Are we sure they're going to finish last in the Colonial? I haven't looked at the Colonial. Are we sure they're going to finish last? I mean, is there a chance that they might finish middle? What if if Hampton finishes Delaware, middle of the road? Maine, Albany. I don't look. All of them cities, Maine, State, schools. I don't know. William been Mary, Elon, and Towson. That's what All they have them right are good. on the <laughs> Schedule. I'm not doubting that they're not good, but what I'm saying is, is not, are we di- are we downgrading Hampton? Okay, we're gonna when we take a break, go look at Massey. Let's see how they still evaluate uh, Hampton in comparison to the rest of the Colonial. Maybe they still think, you know, they're they're bottom of the barrel. But I'm just I'm telling you, I I think I could be wrong. I just, you know, call it, a, call it, a, call it a gut feeling, and it's not gas or indigestion. I just got a feeling Hampton, Hampton might be a little better than what we originally thought, and might not finish last in the Colonial. I'm not making any bold predictions about any first, second, third place finishing. I'm just saying. Uh, do you guys care to comment? Do you agree, disagree, or just what? Any thoughts? I <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, hey, uh, it looks like a. Go ahead, Jamie. Nah, I mean, I, I'm I'm just not sure. It, it's I don't know who out of those. Maybe Elon. Maybe I'm just comparing just based on what I know about the CAA. Um, because you're talking about squads that are beating FBS teams already uh, early this year. I think, in fact, the CAA is ahead of schedule when it comes to what they're doing just in the regular FCS. Um, so Hampton maybe one win in the CAA. I don't know. I don't know who they get. Um, but, yeah, we can definitely look at the massive ratings and see what happens. Guess, guess who's sitting right now 10th among 13 schools? That'd be Hampton, one of three unbeaten teams in the first three weeks. I'm just saying, I'm not comparing three wins by Delaware, three wins by William and Mary, to three wins by Hampton. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying they're one of three unbeaten teams after three weeks in the Colonial. That's all. Okay, let's move forward. Let's move forward. Tiger talk. Here we go. Baddest team in the land. Undisputed number one team, Jackson State, takes uh, their brothers from Louisiana and takes them behind the woodshed. Uh, Grambling, I think, had won eight of the last ten meetings. If I saw some trends or numbers correctly, or that maybe that was eight of the last ten in uh, the vet. I don't know which one it was. Uh, but... Uh, for it, this was a 14-14 game. 
you never know it by looking at the final score, 66 to 24. Uh, Shadour put up 357 and was it four or five touchdowns? What I what I put in the notes? Four, five? five no, four. Three, was it four? Three four touchdowns. Okay. Four. T- did he have a rushing touchdown? Yes, yeah. he did. Okay, so then five touchdowns, including the rushing. Uh, Savion Wilkerson. The, uh, not, again, this young man was a freshman of the year in the MEAC at Delaware State. One of the one of the nicest transfer portal pickups might have been Wilkerson coming to Jackson State. Uh, because we knew the kid could run, and he did it at Delaware State. I think he almost ran for 1,000 yards his freshman year, right? That was the year before the pandemic, right? 2019. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong with it, if your memory recalls on that, Jamie. But anyway, it was either 2021 or it was either last year or 19. But watching him with another 100-yard game for Jackson State, uh, along with a pair of touchdowns. Look, they put up – look, 66 is now the new high, thankfully, uh, more than what they – so now no one can we, – we, we move past the 59 they put on FAMU. Woo. Um, you know, we don't have to talk about that anymore. They give up their first touchdown of the year. But just a dominating performance, Jamie. I don't know. I, I'm running out of different ways to talk about it. Yeah, somebody said Shadour had two rushing touchdowns. I'm going to go look at the, the total stats. So he had three, what, four passing and two rushing? That sounds off thought it to was me. three and two, but yeah. I'm, um, I'm looking it up. But talk about, Jamie, while I look it up, you talk about Jackson State. Jackson State University Tigers. Uh, dominating performance. When you look at the first half of that game, though, I think they had a wake-up call. And I, I think when you look when you look at uh, Grambling's big playability uh, with Maurice Washington in particular, I think it was good for Jackson State. Um, but that must have been one heck of a um, a halftime talk because they just came out on fire and, and determined to dominate and put the, their foot on a proverbial neck of Grambling. Um, when you look at the way they were able to do a Sanders again, and, and this is. You know, I, we talk about, you know, Andrew Body. We talk about Shadua Sanders. Different style of quarterbacking, but definitely premium quarterback play. Um, Shadua Sanders is one of the best young quarterbacks in relation to pocket presence I've ever seen. Because when you look at the way he runs an offense, he's not going to take the big hit. He's able to distribute the ball um, to an open receiver. Sometimes he'll get overzealous and overshoot a guy. But as far as where to go with the football, he absolutely knows where to go. And and kudos to, you know, all the years of coaching he's ever gotten and, and things of that nature. But when you're talking about an incoming freshman, just being able to have that kind of presence of mind to be able to distribute the ball and not seem to get rushed or sped up, you can tell just what he's able to do. And it, it's a beautiful thing to watch. But Jackson State was just able to to be what Coach Prime talked about and that is to be dominant. They want to continue being dominant. And one of the things I talked about earlier was the fact that they've recruited and used the transfer portal and even the the guys they didn't have last year. um, They've been able to acquire depth. And when you're talking about these schools not being able to recruit, it puts me in the mind of Alabama. 
they're able to get these players and stash them. And then when the time comes, when there's an injury, when there's something else, everybody's ready to play when it comes to the playoffs. So when you're talking about what Jackson State's able to do, it's not even just schematically. It's the depth that they've acquired. So I don't know what team in the SWAC will give them an actual run for four quarters. You may see, you know, closeness when it comes to the first quarter, second quarter, heck, maybe even to the third. But the depth eventually gets you. When you got Malachi Wyman catching touchdown passes at the end of the game, you know what I'm saying? You, you're talking about a, a receiving core that that is phenomenal. And then Savion Wilkinson. Talk about this for a second because I hated the fact that he left Delaware State because I think you add him to that mix and what Coach Milstead wants to do, he was perfect for it. But you add him to that Jackson State attack, now you're able to, to, to just give defensive coordinators fits because you don't know what to choose. He had over a buck 40 yesterday. Like, come on now. Like, what are you supposed to do when you have, you know, basically a, a an offense that spreads the ball around? Now you got to, you know, have somebody in the box to defend him too? You know, offensively, they're unstoppable. Uh, I, well, let me rephrase that. It, everybody can be stopped. But you're talking about someone that has to draw up something to be able to – stop both poisons when it comes to that Jackson yeah. State offense. And now they have the killer instinct, too. They went for blood yesterday at the end of that game. They they really did. Yeah. Uh, just, to, just to clarify a couple things here, and I saw a couple other people post this in the chat room. Shadour Sanders, 357 passing yards on 21 completions, four touchdown passes. He rushed for 22 Net yards on nine attempts, two rushing touchdowns. So that's a total of six. six touchdowns. Wow. Six touchdowns. Um, hey, and you, before I throw it to you, Drew, Wilkerson, 23 attempts, 141 gained, no yards for loss, 141 net. Let that sink in for a second. When your offensive line is blocking that well, and the other team, I mean, they had 19 total yards for loss. I bet those came on sacks on Shadour. I don't, so that's telling me the offensive line has improved to the point where the other team is not getting any tackles for loss. Drew, your thoughts? Uh, you brought up a good point about Shadour earlier. Uh, your thoughts on Jackson State and Shadour? Uh, and I think this was on our uh... – version that uh, it got cut. But Stuart Sanders right now may be the front runner for, well, he's got, he's definitely top three for FCS Offensive Player of the Year. There's only one other player out there that I see that may be able to hold a candle to Shadour Sanders and may possibly be beating him right now. And that's Lindsey Scott of Incarnate Word. Uh, Lindsey Scott right now has a 212 quarterback rating, passing at 74%. He's 67 to 93 on the season, 1,069 yards, 13 touchdowns, after 356 per game, has thrown 
one INT. But let's compare him to Mr. Shadur Sanders. Shadur, on the season. Shadur Sanders has a quarterback rating of 179.80 for 108.74% passer rating, 956 yards, 10 touchdowns, 318 uh, average. But let's add in those rushing touchdowns for Shadur Sanders. Has another two rushing touchdowns compared to Mr. Scott, who has one additional rushing touchdown. So just also numbers out there. Those two right now are probably the statistical kings in FCS. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, look, uh, Jamie, you mentioned the receivers. And Malachi Weidman, I think this was his first game of the year. Uh, obviously, we haven't even seen Travis Hunter as a receiver. There are names popping up at the top of the receiving list every week. It's a new Wait, name. You know? got top 50 uh, signee Kevin Coleman, who's back there just returning kicks right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he had three catches. Um, I know Shane Hooks caught a couple of touchdowns against FAMU. Uh, I heard his name a couple times. Might have even So uh, then you've got uh, Willie Gaines. Dallas Daniels, he had five catches, 85 yards, and three touchdowns. It's a new guy every week. Good luck, focus. I don't, you know, like I said, the depth. Yeah, yeah, and the beauty of it, the beauty of it, too, is it appears that they are so so unselfish that they are able to actually have team ball. You know, sometimes, like, you know, especially wide receivers in, in, in the Diva age, um, you know, hey, I need the football. I need this. I need that. Right now, they're working as a collective unit to be able to have Shadur just distribute to the open guy. And if you can continue having that, it, it makes the perfect scenario um, in your passing game. Seven guys had multiple catches, Jamie. Seven guys with multiple catches. Ten guys had a catch total. But seven guys had multiple catches. Including um, one, two, five touchdowns. When you have depth, you mentioned Alabama being something comparable. I'm gonna throw another school, and I hate to I hate to do it, but how about LSU? When you talk about Absolutely. receiving depth, the the number of guys, whether it be in the skill set position, <clears throat> who maybe you didn't hear a lot about, or maybe they only had a year and a half of real good shine, and now all of a sudden they're in the pros ripping up numbers. Well, that's because of the depth. I mean, you you might have come in as a five-star freshman, but guess what? There were already like two five-stars in front of you. So by the time you got your shine, you had your good year and a half, put up good numbers, and it's like, okay. And, and, and so I, I you hear, when you hear Coach Sanders talk about preparing guys who want to go to the next level, that's what he's doing. And he's finding ways to build depth. He's told us he's not interested in playing FBS opponents without the proper depth. He's told you the difference between FCS and FBS is not the skill position, guys. It's the beef up front. 
It's the offensive and defensive lines. And so as he's now building his depth, eventually they will play somebody. Uh, It will eventually happen. Don't get it twisted. Now, let's transition quickly to other part of the story following the game. Because I feel like we can't go a week without talking about something that there are certain people who will say. What did Prime say today? Yes, what did Coach Prime say today? Now, for some people, they will call this Coach Prime enlightening the community, enlightening the culture. Other people will say, what is Coach Prime complaining about this week? I don't know which side of the line you're on, but I'm looking at it maybe from the standpoint of, okay, this week's complaint appears to be with Grambling fans who maybe didn't I look, I didn't see what the total what what was the total attendance? Does anybody have the total attendance? Because I had heard that it possibly sold out. While you look that up, there seems to be this was a one o'clock game. He had issues in his postgame presser uh regarding Grambling State fans potentially leaving well, well at least he he alleged leaving early. I don't know if the band was included about that. He did kind of make mention of the fact that the hundred, uh, you know, couldn't go. He, he says they left early. Well, technically, they couldn't come back into because of where they were seated. They couldn't come back into their seats. Um, but this week, in taking the shot at Grambling and Grambling fans, you know, obviously he's kicking Hornet's nest. And, you know, people were quick to point out once he kicked this hornet's nest that, A, a lot of people from Grambling were sitting in the, uh, what, the sun side or at least the side where, I mean, it's a one o'clock game. Where wasn't the sun? Put it like that. <laughs> but but uh, sitting in the side where, uh, what, 44,000, that's uh, Israel Carey said, 44,000. That's that's below par. A lot of people thought it'd be fifty thousand plus, fifty five. Maybe I heard people say sixty. So, you know, he said Jackson State fans showed up. He seemed to be disappointed with the fact that Grambling State folks didn't show up. You know, Grambling really doesn't travel as well as you would think. I've heard I've heard that by people. You know, Um, now the the folks who did go. Also made note of the fact that, you know, there are certain tie-ins to his salary attendance numbers. You know, so uh, while while you want to complain, while Coach Prime may want to complain about tradition, which once again, he seemed to want to kick that hornet's nest about tradition, uh, taking a shot at Grambling. And why, you know, they, they, anyway, it gets tiresome at times, guys. And, and look, I, I guess when you're winning, you, you get a pass in being able to make statements at the end of weekly press conferences and at the end of games that are sort of off topic. But three weeks now, three different complaints or issues when does it stop 
or uh, maybe that's the, not the right way of saying it, but it's growing to be exhausting. Thoughts, Jamie? I think, and I said this on Twitter um, to kind of address certain certain stuff. I think Coach Prime is great for the elevation of thought within the HBCU football uh, folklore. I think he is. He's tremendous. I think he has pushed the envelope in a lot of different ways. But I think contextually he could do better um, in understanding um, the culture and tradition and not to knock it because I think there are some things that need to be knocked down. Um, when it comes to tradition. But I think understanding what was going on at that time, um, if it was because initially it was um, that people were hot and leaving and they didn't have the same kind of concession things going on. It wasn't any water in the area. That was also, you know, coming up. If it was t- if he was addressing um, initial attendance, he has a point. Because Hugh Jackson said the same thing about Grambling, um, I, I think he could he could go a long way into understanding what that is when it comes to the tradition of HBCUs and not necessarily knock it. I think he can be a little more diplomatic in that way, um, but I, I and that's really all it is. Just contextually, not to not to sugarcoat or protect individual schools even his own because he will call out jackson state as well as you know other schools it's it's you know he's you know proven that um but i think contextually it would go a long way to understanding to to have people accept what he says because there are people that hate him there are people that 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 love him then there's people that's in between i think that you know whatever side you stand on is your side. Anybody that knows or been around the game for the last 30 years knows Deion Sanders. They know who that is. They know Coach Prime in the last two years and so or two and a half. So when it comes to, you know, his coaching acumen and him coming in with his type of business acumen and along with his his self-promotion and just promotion period and what he wants to do, I think regardless of how the contract goes, because that is a factor. Uh, I, you know, anybody that says it's not, come on now. Come on. Come on. I got some swamp land, you know, to sell you if, you know, if you want some. It can. Swamp land, it can. You know, right. But I think context, con- he would go a long way contextually if he's able to understand all facets of why certain things aren't going this way. Because he even addressed him not them not having enough home games. You know, them being basically the traveling road show. I fully understand where he's coming from with that because he is. He makes a lot of money for other people as well. And right now they're hot. So I get talking about, you know, we need to make these finances a little bit better. But I think in the meantime, you know, he takes slaps at other schools without giving context. We talked about the Bethune-Cookman thing before, you know, so – you know, I think, you know, anybody that's offended by that has the right to be. They really do. 
But do you think he's – when you talk about context, I, I think sometimes he just talks and says things because that's what he heard or that's what he read. And we, we're we're wanting – like, there's no – I don't see him being the provider of context. I really don't. At least not in the initial statement. Now, come back. now, And he's pretty good about this. He may come oh, back. Oh, we'll see tomorrow. On Monday, yeah. on Monday, on Monday, he'll probably clarify some things because he is good about doing his research, and so he'll probably come back on Monday and he'll probably say something to the effect of, you know, hey, you know, I, 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 I didn't, I wasn't taking a shot at Grambling uh, fans, and I understand it was hot. I, I just, I just, he'll probably say, I just think that this was such a big game that. We should have had fifty five thousand, and I know Grambling fans are supportive. They got a big, you know. He'll talk it up. I, I think he'll flip it a little bit. But yeah, I saw somebody posted. He doesn't care about context. Initially, his thoughts are he's going to say whatever comes to mind off the top of his right. head, and, and boom, it's going to be what it's going to be. And it may not. It's not always going to sound politically correct. Right, Coach Prime doesn't have that switch that some of us have. Some of us have that think it, don't say it switch. Sometimes his doesn't go off uh, before he opens his mouth. You know, there's a lot of times you get into discussions with people and you're thinking something, but you're thinking it up here, but you catch it about right here before it comes out of here. So after a game, that switch doesn't work with Coach Prime. Come the Monday presser, that switches that switches back on, and it may be the adrenaline and the emotions of the game and everything else. But Brian, we have to ask this question: Why do we and they, as media, cover this edition when we've seen the pattern? Two days later, he's going to roll back the statement or modify the statement in some ways. Why don't we just wait until the Monday presser and then take that full context and then give our opinion instead of reacting to a coach? Why do you think they have cooling off periods for coaches before you talk to them after a game? Because we've got to let their emotions go down. Well, maybe maybe Coach Pryor needs to double that that cooling off period so that he doesn't say these things that we take offense to on Saturday or question on Saturday, but by Monday, oh yeah, this is what I really meant to say. He needs that time. It looks like to to put that out there. But getting back to the attendance thing, why in the hell in Mississippi in August or September? Do you have a game that starts before 5, 6 o'clock? That's not on linear. Well, I don't have a good answer on that, Drew. I, I will say know, this. that's a- You know what the sun is going to do. You know, that's the, you know, how, how many teams actually start a game before October at 1 or 2 o'clock? In the afternoon, not this far south. They did up there where uh, Central State, where uh, North Carolina Central was playing. 
But they don't do yeah. it down here below the Mason-Dixon line too often. No, no. <laughs> that, that, you know, that's a good point. I don't know whether – I don't know how – you, you, I, I was at first talking about television. I was talking about television. I didn't know how much of a factor television had. Um, I, I don't know how much of a factor television had in this game being at 1 o'clock. Usually – television has been known to, and I say television, I'm talking to ESPN, but the other networks do it as well. Linear. Uh, So you're you're saying that that's linear. You're saying it shouldn't matter the fact that it was on ESPN3 because ESPN3 is digital and it can show it anytime. That's not linear. Linear is... Linear is ESPN2, ESPN, the, the, the yeah. big four networks. That's what I ESPN consider U. linear. ESPN3, yeah. ESPN+, Plus, HBCU League, Pass, HBCU digital. Go, that's digital. Yeah. You're, you that's you an don't excellent have point. a time slot that you have to run when you're on digital because you can run multiple things at the same time. When you're on a linear platform, such as the ESPN2, uh, a Fox, Big Ted Network, you have to run at certain time slots in order to maintain the integrity and the schedule of the network. So I, I want to make sure I clarify that question. It's a good point. We 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 have to do some asking. I know a lot of people, you guys in the comments, you're you're writing at ESPN, but thought, but Drew brings up a good point. Six, what they gave at six We're, o'clock? You're, you're talking about 50, digital. 53. They have no oh, limit yeah. on the number of channels that they could run. Uh, in terms of what they can run at e- ESPN three can run at any time of the day or night. Now, so Drew, you bring up a great point. I hadn't even thought about that. I I didn't think about it in terms of linear versus the digital space and the fact that that game was running on purely digital ESPN three. They could have run that game at any other time in the day. Why now? Could it be something in Mississippi? I don't know. Was there anything else happening? I, I mean, that, that, that may have been the fact. That that may be the fact of why just, they I'm start just, this I'm game just, I'm at just two o'clock local time. Yeah. But, Does anybody know uh, if the rest of the schedule? One o'clock local time. That was they, one they, o'clock. They, like local how many time. more home games do they have? Think two. Uh, at least four. No, they no. got at least five, they've got five home games. Don't they? No, they don't. Jack State doesn't. No. Uh, hold on, I got the schedule right here. Okay. Got the schedule right here, fellas. Why we don't have to guess? I got it right here. Your boys got you taken care of. All right, so uh, upcoming this Saturday. Ooh, this has got to be a stadium thing because this Saturday they play Mississippi Valley. Guess what? One p.m. Central. Uh, they play Campbell in October, two p.m. Central. That's home. They play though. Southern. They play Southern. October 29th, 1 p.m. That's it. That's it. That's is it. there so, so this has got it's got to be a stadium issue or a, I don't know where the vet it's sits. Ordinance. Is it, it is sits right downtown local? in the middle of middle of, middle of Jackson, right across the street from the hospital. Okay, mm-hmm. this, this the is an major hospital question. in Jackson. We need somebody to do some investigative reporting. Why we all of a sudden? Business. Yeah, we, that's a good question. We'll have to – we got to ask Neely Bishop and try to figure out why these games are when they are. Because I think last year they did have a couple of games at night um, or at least later in the afternoon last year. Yeah, yeah um, they did. Okay, so we'll, we'll find out. We'll, fi- <coughs> we'll find out more. 
All right, let's take a break for a quick minute or two. Come back. We're not going to be here for a long time. A long time here. Uh, We do want to get into talking about some of the non-D1 headlines, give out some quick grades, and then look ahead to the upcoming upcoming week. Don't forget that 700. Say again. Don't forget, let's get into that 700, too. Well, great tease for after the break in the non-Division One segment. Drew, you, you always seem to be right on point with that kind of stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's take a short break while I choke here and get to the break. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Give us two minutes. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That's a pretty tight spot. Watch this. Of course your view works itself. That's so you. It's just up here on the right. Of course you know where we're going. That's so you. Kinda got a success. And a head of display. They're here. Hit the field, warm up. You brought all these players in your Buick? Yeah. So you. It is. There's a Buick that fits your life. Because at the heart of every Buick SUV is you. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology. Protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. It's like a loop machine. Going around town, 
Uh, answers here. We'll we'll try to let you guys come back. That uh, come last. back. It's O'Brien. I forgot to turn on the uh, the bike. Why not? We didn't have all those kind of technical issues. Yeah, the, exactly. Our, our no, we're, we're live. Look, our faces huh? were there, but our audio was not. All right. So, okay. Hey, welcome back. This is the reboot. So, of course, we'd have to reboot coming out of our first break uh, on this episode. So. Uh, of course, it just fits, right? Brian Fulford, uh, A.D. Drew, Jamie Walker. Um, looking at a comment there from Doctor Cavill. Uh, so we were trying to in the in the uh, in the break, we were trying to analyze why Jackson State is playing so many one p.m. two p.m. games. Um. You know, trying to figure all that out. So I know Doc, I think Doc chimed in there in the discussion. So uh, you guys in the discussion group, or either he is on Facebook adding to the discussion. I, I'm not quite sure where he's at, but uh, it, it is interesting when, uh, as Drew proposed it, it is a digital medium that ESPN is broadcasting that Grambling State game. So it just seems odd that they would be dictating the start time for a digital platform. Now, with that said, I don't know what else is going on because I hear a lot of comments about the the concessions or maybe there are issues with water. Obviously, water has been an issue in Jackson. I, I don't know. There might be other things going on at that stadium that we're not fully aware of. And, of course, people talk – uh, so some of you guys who were there, um, you know, definitely will know. Um, and, and so it, it's just one of those things, I, I, I guess. So, but anyway, the the where all that came from, I guess, is the fact that if you if, if you got Coach Prime complaining about fan attendance, well. You know, we talked about context. The context may be related to things uh, such as the start time and the weather. You know, so I, I don't know. It's, it's a lot to unpack there. I, I just would like to go a week without any complaints. Again, some people may look at it as enlightening the culture. I'm getting to the point where it's getting close to complaining about the culture. Just my thoughts. Okay, shifting over to headlines from out of the non-Division One level, and the biggest story, probably one of the bigger stories, is that Tuskegee University finally 
reached their 700th career victory uh, in football in an unexpected fashion. Great story written by AD on D2Football.com as Tuskegee went on the road and defeated West Alabama 13-10, an upset victory. I don't think people thought that would be the game in which they would get the win, Drew. But as all good writers are, you had this one in the can for a minute. And so (laughs) it just so happens, just so happens that you were ready and prepared so that when the upset, or excuse me, when the win happened, you were able to add in the appropriate uh, pre-context and tie it all together and uh, props to uh, Coach uh, coach and Athletic Director Reginald Ruffin for being there to lead the team to the uh, 700th victory. Tuskegee, the winningest HBCU football program on all levels, 700 wins, 385 losses. That's a 645 win percentage. Uh, here's the, inter- the interesting stat I found, Drew, is that they are number two uh, now, what's this in, in Division Two? There's what twenty nine wins behind Pittsburgh State of the MIAA. Correct, Drew? Is that uh, correct. and that's second all time in Division Two, right. right? And that and that's as right. of yesterday. As of yesterday, right? Okay. Yes. And uh, there is a school, uh, Hillsdale College of the Great Midwest Conference, that's in third. 655, so, you know, Tuskegee's got to stay up there. Now, among HBCUs, you note that Virginia State of the CIAA is second in wins at 596. And, uh, of course, the Golden Tigers, having won 13 black college national championships, are fourth all-time behind Tennessee State, Grambling, and Florida A&M. Drew, talk a little bit about Tuskegee here, getting win number 700, and uh, as I said, you know, uh, props to you because uh, again, you, you had you were kind of sitting on this, and you were actually prepared for this. What? How many years has it been now? I feel like you've been prepared for this for a couple years now. No, we thought we thought it was going to happen last year. They entered last year with three hundred and ninety-six victories, and, and maybe. We at Tuskegee, and yes, I'm putting on my Tuskegee hat for this segment of the, of the sports rap. But we at Tuskegee may be a little spoiled. You know, we don't do 500 well as the two previous years were in in uh, 19 and, let's see, this is 22, right? in 18 and 19. We don't do 500 well. We damn sure don't do below 500 as the 21 season was. That's just unheard of for Golden Tigers. You haven't seen that type of performance from the football team in a three-consecutive-year period since the 80s. Let's put that in perspective. Since the 80s when Tuskegee football had – seasons uh three nine consecutive winning three consecutive non-winning seasons so like i say this article was pretty much set ready to go last year 
because you remember the debate we had? What game was Tuskegee going to get number 700 last year? We had that debate at the start of the season. No more yes, in that I discussion. That. No more in that discussion was next year. Yeah. Nowhere. Nowhere. So, uh, Nowhere. once again, congratulations to Tuskegee. About the game, tough defensive battle. Tuskegee held West Alabama to 23 yards rushing mm, for wow. six punts. West Alabama was third, three of 12 on third downs. Yeah, you want to talk about a balanced offense? Check this out, fellas. Tuskegee had 156 yards rushing. And 152 yards passing. Wow. You can't get any more even than that. Here's the here's the stat. 4139. That's not a score. That's the time of possession for Tuskegee. 41 Ooh. minutes and 39 seconds. So get the lead, play keep away. That's what Tuskegee did in, in that uh in that particular game. So, uh, yeah, Tuskegee leads the all, excuse me, West Alabama leads the all-time series against Tuskegee. It is now, it's eight to four. This is the 12th time that these two teams have met. West Alabama is eight to four. Here's a stat that I did not know until today. Got a phone call from Mr. Arnold Houston, longtime SID at Tuskegee. Uh, I think he's been going about 10 years or so now, but uh, 25 years uh, as the SID. In those 700 victories, fellas, do you know Tuskegee has at least one win against every HBCU that they have ever faced except for one? Ooh, you're going to ask us to guess the one? Oh, yeah, you know, I will put that out there. And when you guess it, keep in mind, a lot of the schools who are in the SWAC and the BAC or former members of the BAC were at one point in time in the SIAC. Yeah. Because yeah. for a long time, there were only two conferences, CIAA and SIAC. So think about Ooh. that. See if, you, see, if you get, see if you can give me a, a school up. So it's the only. So we're looking for one school that they have never beaten, that they have played and have never beaten. Now there are schools they have not played, but of, of the, they played and they played a majority of HBCUs in their 126 year history. There's only okay. one HBCU that Tuskegee has never beaten. All right, uh, if you guys in the chat room want to try to answer that, we'll. Uh, let that let that kind of get going. That. We'll kind of see. We'll kind of see if somebody. We'll, yeah, at the end of the show, we'll see if we uh, if we see any schools that kind of hit our interest. Uh, Jamie, okay. real quick, you wanna you wanna anything you wanna comment on regarding uh, Tuskegee and uh, win number seven hundred? Just a phenomenal feat, man. I mean, when you're talking about a story program um, like Tuskegee has. It just, you know, kudos to that organization and, and, and that school with that storied history. But along with that, you know, when you're talking about West Alabama, um, that wasn't going to be a cakewalk at all. In fact, you know, I, I, I was, you know, doing uh, some announcing for Morehouse uh, last year, and they absolutely beat down 
um, you know, Morehouse. So credit to them being able, you know, Tuskegee to be able to actually compete and win that that ball game. You're talking about some tough opponents. And, and so, you know, just you see Reggie Ruffin's, you know, stamp on this program already being able to compete, even, you know, in the, in the Red Tails Classic, um, the Boeing Red Tails Classic. Add that in there. But, um, you know, them being able to kind of change up what they were doing uh, offensively and them being able to compete defensively. They lost the game to Fort Valley, of course. But when you're looking at the way his imprint is on this squad, even for this one year, you can see them improve. So, so great win. Great team win for them. A couple other notes. Obviously, this is uh, Coach Russell's first victory at Tuskegee. But uh, he was there two times prior uh, he was there from 6 to 10 as the linebacker coach and uh, defensive coordinator. He was there in 02 as the D-line coach. Willie Slater, now the Clark Atlanta head coach, is the second win in this coach in Tuskegee history with 121 victories. Willie Slater replaced Rick Comagee, who is a Central State, also a coach at Central State, Jackson State, and Valley. But at Tuskegee, he had 90 wins at Tuskegee. The stadium is named for Cleve Abbott, who had 200 and – I got to get my double right uh, – 203 victories during his, uh, during his coaching career. When he retired, he was deep winning his – Black coach in history at, uh, when he retired in 1954. The man won 46 games in a row doing, doing his team. Yeah. 46 in a row. Multiple uh, NFL uh, players, 23 players from Tuskegee have been drafted into the league. Uh, a couple of them have appeared in Super Bowls uh also, so just uh, just something to uh, think about when you think about the history of Tuskegee and the 126 years of this Golden Tiger football program. Anybody got my answer yet? Have you seen anything chimed in? I saw somebody say Bethune Cookman. Nope. Beat be Bethune. Okay. SIEC days. Okay. All right. Uh, there it is. Band talk got it. Band talk got yeah. it. Southern University. Yep. Yeah, really? only team Tuskegee has never defeated. Interesting. How many times have they played? Do you know? That that I did not know. I, uh, like I say, I talked to uh, Arnold Houston today. He threw that uh, tidbit out to me. Uh, of course, I was in the car when he took threw that out to me. Have not had time to actually go back and see the history of Tuskegee and Southern University. So now I'm curious, who haven't they played? Because you mentioned there are some schools that they haven't played. So there's – there's th- that was just among schools that they played. All right. Correct. So we, we, I love this. I love this game. We, we got we to gotta keep building. We got we to gotta find this out. Okay. The other big headline out of the non-Division one level happened in Raleigh, North Carolina. I believe that's where Shaw University is, correct? Raleigh, mm-hmm. North Carolina – the defending C- three t- let me get it right. The three-time CIAA champs came to town, and for those of you who remember, 
uh, I guess it was two, no, it had been three years ago because of the pandemic, right? That, what, 2019? 2019 is when Bowie traveled to Shaw on the verge of an upset. Shaw was, until a pair of fourth quarter punts, I believe all of them returned, both of them, at least one was returned for a touchdown. The other was returned to essentially uh, like five yards away from the end zone. Those those were uh, all within the final five minutes of the contest, right? So uh, I'll, I'll never forget that contest. Uh, just, I mean, just something you don't see, not just once, but you block two punts and you end up coming away with a win. Um, Bowie ended up winning that contest, went on to uh, win the uh, CIAA. Uh, I think Shaw hadn't been right since. Well, guess what? <laughs> Shaw, Shaw might be right. Shaw might be back. I don't know. But uh, they finally get a win, exercise the demons of the last meeting against Bowie with a seven. And I think this might even be the same score 17 to 14. They get a win over Bowie. This time it comes, uh, what, on the um, Sidney Gibbs game-winning touchdown from two yards out with 36 seconds to play. Shaw gets a win. Bowie loses. I mean, it's been a long time since Bowie has lost a conference game. I think it's a lot. Drew, we were, we were tracking this for a minute, weren't we? I want to say uh, Shawan was the last team to beat them in conference. And that and was like yeah, I think you might be right. 18, maybe? 17, 18, that maybe? Might have been 19. I think it might have been that same 19 season. I, it's been a while. It's been a while. It, yeah. it was either 18 or 19 when they beat them. Uh, and then among HBCUs, I think it's been since like 2018. Something yeah. like that. But, but it's been a long time since uh, Bowie has lost. And now two, two weeks in a row – uh, they lose. When is uh, the last time Bowie was under five hundred? That may be a, even a better question to ask. In the month of September, yeah, at that. Uh, Jamie, uh, your thoughts on Shaw finally, finally getting the win over Bowie State? I've been looking for this team to finally get to some greater heights over the last couple of years. You know, they built a team. Um, to compete in that South Division of the CIAA with Fayetteville State. Fayetteville State just has had, you know, their number when it comes to what they've been able to do um, do offensively and, and you, know, you, you know, give Coach, you know, Hayes down there in Fayetteville State their kudos. But Shaw has been building a program. It's been, you know, steady going, and they almost beat Fayetteville State last year in a monsoon, basically. But, you know, Fayetteville State was able to take it at the end. So it wasn't a matter of if, it was just kind of when. And so I think these two teams may see each other again in Salem, Virginia. Uh, because I think, you know, depending on what Fayetteville State does, and they've had some, you know, a couple of good uh, quality non-con- you know, non-conference opponents, uh, non-conference wins. Um, I think they lost to Wingate, but they beat um, uh, Pembroke. So I think, you know, they're, you know, still up there and still competing. But Shaw is right up there with Fayetteville State. So I think it's a matter of of what they do. But Sidney Gibbs, you know, if you look at Jada Byers up at Union, you know, versus, you know, J, um, Sidney Gibbs and Shaw, 
You're talking about one, two. You're talking about who's better. It just depends on the weekend. So when it comes to um, what Shaw is able to do, they really just needed a, a you know a cohesive and, and cogent passing game to go along with Gibbs. So you know, great win. Um, you know, Coach Jackson up there at, at, at Bowie. You know, he'll come back. They'll they'll you know do what they need to do, correct their mistakes, and I think they're in the thick of things. But I tell you what, that CIAA North is tough. It is it is loaded when you look at all the teams top to bottom. So. Um, great win for Shaw. Uh, program changing win for Shaw. So we'll see. We'll see what they do um, and hope they can um, can continue. Well said. Uh, Bowie State outgained Shaw 376 to 199 in total yardage. Mm. Um, 236 to 98 passing was the numbers. Uh, Drew. Where does uh, where do you where do you rank this in terms of upsets in the in the CIAA? What does this mean for Shaw? And uh, it's one of uh, only just a handful of wins for the South this week in the uh, North versus South of the CIAA scheduling. Does the word "huge" mean anything to you? Now the question is. Is this fool's gold given out by Shaw? Or is this Shaw team going to be a contender? And then, once again, is this a hiccup for Bowie State? Or has Bowie State come back to the pack without their leader? We're going to, I mean, I'm going to have to see another week out of both of these teams before I start making any assumptions one way or the other next week let's see i'm trying to pull up my master schedule right now next week Bowie state has st all livingstone followed by that so they should have about two weeks where they could get back into the swing of things you said who has, had, who has that schedule Bowie. Bowie has St. Paul's oh, on the road and Livingstone at home. Shaw, on the other hand, hey, great opportunity to get, get a couple wins in. They've got Elizabeth City next week at home. Then they travel to Virginia to play Virginia State, to Petersburg, Virginia, to play Virginia State. But for Shaw to possibly be 2-0 and going into Virginia State, what a confidence booster, potentially for Shaw. Hey, hey, well, you know, ECSU would, would tell you to, oh, not so fast, my friend, because uh, th- those guys are putting up wins. They just beat Winston-Salem 20-17 to 17 over the weekend. Uh, you know, had to do a wellness check on some uh, Winston-Salem State grads uh, that we know just to make sure they're okay. Uh, I know I saw some interesting comments um, on Twitter from a from a Ram fan who was they're already starting to question. Wait a minute, you know we've got this coach who was the interim for a couple of years, not just one year, but I think two years. You gave him the head coaching job, but the program has not really turned around. It's actually 
going in the other direction, as uh, uh, this uh, this person put it. And uh, look, I, I mean, you lost. Now, how many wins is that now for EC? Doesn't the EC, ECSU has like two wins on the year, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's normally it takes them like eight, nine games to get that. So, I mean, props to ECSU. I mean, look, it, it, the, just adding to the North and how much better the North has got. This week was uh, the CIAA North versus the South week. The North won four games to two. Uh, Virginia, uh, Obviously, one game right there to ECSU over Winston-Salem. Virginia State with a 42-7 to win over St. Aug. Uh, Shawan with a three-point victory, 32-29 to over Johnson C. Smith. Virginia Union, the number one ranked team in uh, many polls, including the HBCU Pro Sports Media poll, 42-6 to over Livingston. Another big day for Jada Byers, uh, 26 carries, 199 yards. That's, what, 502 weeks, uh, two touchdowns. Uh, Union got out to a 21-0 first quarter, defense seven sacks. I, I think Virginia Union's averaging somewhere north of 40-something points a game, maybe closer to 50 at this point. Um, they're rolling. The, o- the only other loss that the North took was um, Lincoln. Lincoln, PA, lost to Fayetteville State, but I think it was a, it was competitive. It was like 19 to 7. It was 19-7. Yeah, yeah, it was competitive, which was interesting to me. It, it, I mean, when I looked at, at that score, I'm like, okay, you know, Lincoln's not the homecoming opponent anymore. Um, you know, and I've heard, you know, you know, through Twitter spaces and, and just, you know, coaches that have been involved in that, that Lincoln, you know, has been building, you know, slowly but but surely. Same thing with um, Elizabeth City State. You know, when, when, you know, they have a new coach this year, former, former alum, um, who, who wants to turn around that program and, you know, it has been given the keys. They've done a lot within that infrastructure. AD, you know, they've hired coaches. You know, so some people they're investing in, in in that program. So I think, you know, hey, um, good for them so far. But yes, I saw that same comment from a certain, um, um, you know, <laughs> Winston Salem State alum. I'm not, I'm not yeah. gonna put them out there. But, yeah, um, I, I didn't want to yeah. put them out there. Right. Yeah, yeah that was rough. It, right. It was hot was, right yeah, now. I mean, hey. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know when. Yeah, the Ram fans are not happy. They they uh, <laughs> talk about people on the hot seat. Um, but hey, back to the the Northern Division again. You got, uh, of course, because those were conference games that count, uh, and that was Elizabeth City's first win of the season in conference. They're one and zero. You know, Lincoln already has a win. They're one and two now. Bowie one and two. Owen one again. Two losses in a row for Bowie. Been a long time that we've seen Bowie with two consecutive losses and uh, 0-1 in conference play. So um, the the next week, the schedule, the big matchups for next week within the conference, again, I think it's another north-south weekend, uh, Virginia Union-Fayetteville State. That's the that's the game that's circled. And I'll tell you what, I, that may – tell you now that that may be a three touchdown the line's got to be somewhere like 20 and a half 
I'm walking towards saying 20 and a half. As good as as good as Fayetteville State should be right now, Union's just playing on another level right now. So uh, that that's uh, that's a Fayetteville State home game. Johnson C. Smith is hosting Lincoln, PA. Livingstone is hosting Virginia State. Shaw is hosting ECSU. Trap game, trap game, trap game. Watch out, Shaw. Watch out, Shaw. I can't say that any clearer. Watch out, Shaw, because you got ECSU. Don't look ahead to Virginia State. Pay attention to ECSU. Uh, SAU, St. Aug, is hosting Bowie State. And then uh, Shawan plays Winston-Salem, and that's got to be nerve-wrecking for Ram Nation because, yeah, I mean, there, they there's can a team a that can put up. They can score points, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting storyline, I thought, uh, out of the SIAC, of course, really started Thursday where you had Benedict continue to, to get their winning waves over Savannah State. I know that was I know that was seemed like months ago, but any takeaways from that game other than Benedict continuing to look dominant, Jamie? Um, I'll tell you what, Benedict um did look dominant. I love the way they run their two quarterback system um with, with Eric Phoenix and um John Lampley who who transferred from Southern. Um in fact I think Southern misses him right now. Uh but mm-hmm. but you you know um they run that power running game, and they go over the top with in play action. Uh, they also play really good stout defense. They're going to stop your running game as well. I think um, Savannah State went a long way for me to to kind of right the ship that they didn't have in that first game. I worried about what what that program was looking like. You know, they hired Coach Aaron Kelton late. You know, there was a lot of kids that left the program, so they kind of had to get everything right. They looked a lot better than I expected, but they have a long way to go to, you know, kind of reestablish their dominance in the SIAC because when you look at it, when they left the MEAC, came back to the SIAC, they still had Division One players. And so when you're looking, coming back to the SIAC and now playing in your new conference and the caliber of players you're able to get, I think, you know, they – did well last year, except, you know, not beat Albany State, of course. Um, so with the coaching change and everything going on, I was just curious to see what that team actually looked like. But Benedict lost, you know, left some opportunities, you know, out there as far as scoring. But in the end, pulled away, you know, give Chinnisbury, you know, head coach Chinnisbury all the credit in the world. He has that team playing well. And I'm looking forward to seeing um, some matchups because they still have some matchups coming up with with Fort Valley in particular that I'm looking forward to, um, you know, and and you know them being able to see if they can take that top spot from Albany State. Drew, you write for D2Football.com covering the SIC. Uh, I'm kind of going to throw combo question here for you so that we can kind of keep it moving. Um, you know. Uh, Benedict gets a good win on Thursday, national TV. Uh, Albany State gets a good road win against Shorter. Um, where where do you put those two teams? And then at Fort Valley survives a home game against Allen. I can't say it any better than that. They survived. 
You win and survive. It wasn't, it wasn't impressive, but you survived it. That's probably all credit to Allen. Where do you rank those three teams? Um, I think all of them are in the East, correct? Correct. All of them in the same division. Yeah. How do you, how do you yeah. handicap or rate those three teams as of just sort of the first quarter mark of the season? Well, that, that's the interesting question. Uh, you and I were talking about this earlier today when we had, were discussing uh, our polls. Now, of course, full disclosure, everybody, all three of us on this call are HBCU Pro Sports Media members, and we uh, and we vote in the poll. But Brian and I had this discussion after we had submitted our votes individually so we wouldn't influence each other. And and I was telling them the, the toughest thing for me is how do I value these these three teams? Virginia State was my number one. I mean, excuse me, Virginia Union was my number one team. Clearly, my number one team. But are they clearly the number one team? When you sit back and think about it. Because you've got an Albany State that's 2-0 in Division Two to two Gulf South teams. We throw the FAMU game out. But if you want to put the FAMU game in there, very good defensive game against an FCS opponent. So I throw it out, but that's that extra credit, using Dr. Cavill's uh, analogy, that's an extra credit assignment that we got that if you got an 89, since you turn in this extra work, I'll go ahead and bump you up to a 90 and give you that 8. If you got the 89.4, I'll give you those extra points. So that's what Albany State is. Then you've got Fort Valley, who first two weeks looked like gold. Struggled against the Allen team, who is, don't sleep on Allen. Allen is better than everyone out here is thinking. They've got a run game from hell. Yeah, we know they took their 40-6L in week one. But since then, they have got, got it right. And if you saw, the, uh, even though there were unofficial stats from the, I believe that was Johnson C. Smith, the game that was short and called because of rain, that was declared a no contest, they were winning that game at halftime and had already had over 200 yards on the ground at halftime of the game that they were winning. So, yeah. They struggled against Allen, but Allen Bay turned out to be better than everyone thought they were. And then you've got this Benedict team who leads Division II in forced fumbles. Is Benedict's defense this year what Albany State's defense was last year? I mean, the average is giving up six points a game. Just, just, just throwing that out there and they have had three dominating performances. I mean, I guess the game in which they struggled was against Lane, and they still won that game 14 to nothing. But that was a weather game. So we can factor the weather into that one. And then this was a nothing-nothing game at halftime. So they came out and opened up a can in the second half and scored 24 points in the second half by only giving up the six in the second half. Yeah, both teams left, left some opportunities out there on the field. So where do you put these teams at? I can tell you where I put them at, but where do you put these uh, teams at? You know, for me, I, I still have Albany State number two. They are the champs, and until somebody beats them in the SIAC, and then you've got those two Gulf South wins out there, I have to leave them at number two. 
throw Fabio out the door. Leave them at number two. Got to put Benedict number three. And given what Fort Valley did this past weekend, I actually dropped Fort Valley down to number five because there's a team out west that everybody forgets about in Oklahoma that's having a hell of a season. So I put them actually at that number four slot uh, in this past poll. So don't right now those five teams or your tier one teams in Division two. Interesting. I, I, you know, Jamie, did, would you would you be up for sharing any of your uh, non D one top fives? Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm assuming you put Virginia Union at one, but if you didn't, it's okay. Great call. Um, Ad, great minds think alike. That is exactly my my top five. That's exactly my top five. Um, I had a hard time putting putting Albany State second. I had a hard like I went back and forth with that one. But when you look at the quality win that that Union had, I think it surpasses that. And Albany State. Went back and forth with Mississippi College a little bit, and, and and didn't come off as as dominant as they did the year before. So I gave that maybe a little bit of, of credence. I actually think the FAMU game, you know, kind of showed me something that okay they're starting to get it again. So, but Union's win against Valdosta, um, yeah, kind of balances over the out. Top. So yeah, that balances out for UL. Oh yeah, because you have to discount for oh, yeah. UL. Most definitely. So, yeah, yeah, same thing, same exact, same five. And everybody, don't sleep on VUL. VUL going to get somebody this year. They I said that earlier. I, yes. I, I mean, out, same outside thing. of that uh, game to Union, they've been competitive in every other game. They going to sneak up or don't let your quarterback get hurt or your running back pull a hamstring or something like that. Or you, <laughs> you lose a lose a defensive lineman or something like that. VUL may, may sneak up and beat somebody this year. They play hard. Hey, um, yeah, they do. They do. Uh, let's mention quickly, you mentioned that team out west in the uh, Oklahoma region. We're talking about Langston University of the NAIA, but again, with a non-D1 poll, you know, a lot of people, a lot of us and, and other folks group the Division II and NAIAs together. Langston uh, is unbeaten, 3-0. and Got a win 56-24 over Wayland Baptist. They put up 563 yards of total offense. If the name Larry Harrington does not sound familiar to you, shame on you. It should, because last year, all he did was throw six touchdowns in a game. But he came back and did it again this past Saturday. That's impressive to me. 24-35, 420 yards passing, six touchdowns. Second time he's done that in his career, I believe. I think he maybe even had a four or five touchdown game last year as well. But... Uh, big performance by him. Um, you know, they've got a young man, a receiver, Byron Hanspard, had six receptions, 127 yards. Uh, freshman D lineman by the name of Johnny Burton, four tackles, four tackles for loss, two sacks, a forced fumble, 
and a fumble recovery. Langston is that team that I you talk about where people were ranked. I think I put Langston ahead of Fort Valley, to be I honest think, with mm. you. Uh I, I think I may have put them in at what what about put them at four? That would have put them at four, and then that would have put Valley at five. So I think that's how my top five, of course, with uh, you know, VU and then number two, Albany State, and then Benedict at three. So that's how, uh, and then Langston. But Langston will continue to move up uh, as the course of the season. The question is, will they be able to finish? You know, last year they started out 7-0, and 8-0, or something to that effect. And then, unfortunately, they lost the last two or three games of the season when all they needed to do was win one. They needed to win one of the last two games to win the conference, go to the playoffs, they ended up losing both of them, both of them badly, and missed out on the playoffs altogether. But trust me, this team loaded. They will be – so, you know, we'll keep talking about them because you're going to continue to see them in the polls, and I think it's real important that you kind of pay attention to this Langston team. Um, a couple other just – I'm just going to mention games, guys, and, and then if there's anything that you want to add to this, go ahead. Bluefield State – uh, defeated Central State. They are now two and one, uh, with a win over the CIAA and a win now over the SIC. They continue to beat HBCU opponents. They're in an HBCU conference yet. They're in a independent status, but second year of the program, correct? Just the second year of the program. They are making great strides. Great strides. I, I'm rooting for them to get in the conference. I mean, to be honest with you, I I feel like they would be a great SIAC makes it up makes it a potential 14th team balances out the football schedule potentially. I'd love to see, love to see uh, them. Now, Drew, I know you you have thoughts that they are better fit in the CIAA, correct? They, they fit perfectly in the CIAA footprint. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I would love to see them in the SIC, but I would be concerned with the travel, not only for them, but for the rest of the members of the SIAC, especially the SIAC West, because Bluefield, West Virginia, is not, <coughs> is not an easy place to get to. No, and it right. may be but easier travel-wise for the CIAA team. But I, but I do think you do have the opportunity, though, to play when, when you have a split schedule like that where you have seven teams on each side, you're playing six on your side, and then maybe you're only playing two. So it's like, you know, you, you do, it's not like everybody would have to travel to Bluefield. Uh, I'm not worried about football, Brian. Football is easy. No matter, okay. no, right. traveling football is easy for any conference because they get on the bus Thursday night, they drive through the night Thursday to get to where they need to be Friday, check into the hotel Friday, do do what they do, play Saturday, go back home. Football is easy. It is the other sports that would concern me. Gotcha. Are they gotcha. playing? They're uh, they're independent. They're not. So they're not playing in the conference currently. No, but they play more they... HBCU. Some of our HBCUs who are in conferences, they are independent. This okay. And are they comp- are they able to compete in the Division Two playoffs? I don't think they have 
enough games, Division Two, to compete. And I believe they may be still in transition. I'm not 100 percent sure on that because I know they were at one point in time in AIA. They be at maybe like year three of their transition. Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw well, that this game week. Um, against Central State. Yeah, they. I mean, it was big play after big play. Um, so good. It was a good, good game. Upcoming this Saturday, they play Fort Valley State. So, um, if Fort Valley didn't have enough going this is on, be a test after, Valley. Yes, yes, I agree. And I agree. Maybe this may be another one of those two thirty games, and I don't mean time. I mean actual game yeah, two, time. Yeah. Two hours and thirty minutes. Both these teams like to play ball. I want to also make mention: Florida Memorial gets a win uh, to even out their season at two and two. Remember, this is a program that is just now in year three, technically kind of year two and a half, uh, after being dormant for 60-some-odd years. Um, they got a 49-22 to 22 win against Warner in what is one of those non-conference conference games. So they play in the same conference with Warner. Uh, this comes on the heels of them taking an 82 to nothing beating by Southern. Isn't it, how, isn't it interesting how that works out? Southern beats up on Florida Memorial, 82 nothing. The next performance from Southern, they lose and get shut out. Florida Memorial, on the backside of that beating, turns around, and I thought pretty much they almost could have shut out. I thought at one point the score was 35-3. to I thought they were going to, you know, kind of, they gave up a field goal to Warner. I thought they were going to ride that all the way, but they put up an offensive. They were offensively explosive. Uh, looked really good. They looked actually as good as they looked against uh, Edward Waters, with the exception of the fourth quarter collapse a little bit that made it closer than maybe what it probably should have been. But if you paid attention to the first half of that Big Cat Classic, Florida Memorial controlled that, and that's what they looked like. That's what they looked like. But they did it for four quarters, pretty much. So uh, that's a team that it'll be interesting to see what they do in conference. Any other headline news from games that you want to mention to guys before we get to final segments here? Any, any, uh, any headline, anything that I didn't get to that you maybe wanted to mention? Did we talk about Morgan State? We did. All right. So I'm going to move good. forward. Okay, usually when we have more time, we go in-depth with grades. But I'm going to abbreviate this segment, and I'm, we're going to shorten it up for the, the Division One and non-Division One. So I'm going to say among the top ten teams that uh, came out of or that went into the weekend, I'm going to ask you, give me your best grade, your worst grade. Who from the D1, who was your best Best grade you gave out, worst grade. Okay, uh, so as always, so that's just one. So don't give me, don't give me two. Don't give me two good grades. Don't give me your best and give me your worst. Okay, so Jamie, we'll start. Let's let's just start with the best. So Jamie, give me who gets your best among the top ten teams uh, from this past week weekend. Wow. My best grade goes to Alcorn. Um, yeah, definitely gives my best grade. Um, my worst grade goes to Southern. 
um, right now. Uh, I, I think they have to find who they hold are. On, hold on, go back. Give me a second. Hold on, give me a second. Go, go back. Give me, give me best grade. Give me a letter. We, we, we grade here. We, we oh, want oh. over and then hold, oh, oh, and then oh, hold okay, before okay. you give me the worst. Re-educated. Just give me your best. Give me a grade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Give me, um, give me a grade. Me give all me a grade. All corn and A. Um, definitely an A uh, for their win against McNeese. Um, for uh, Southern, let me give them a. Uh, no, 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 no. Hold, no, on, no. hold, hold, hold okay. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We'll, we'll wait. Let's let's hear Drew. Drew, give me your okay. best and best grade. Well, just just so we can have some banner and not take uh, take the same team, I am going to give North Carolina Central Brian. Dare I say another? A third A plus of the year. Now do you, do you, you know, you know, high standards, high standards now, okay. high standards. Let's just do a solid A, solid A, solid A for Central. Well, and, and the reason I said that is because who was it who had no turnovers? Was it Alcorn or was it Central? I'll tell you in a second. I'm I'm looking at now. I think it was central. I think it was uh, yeah. I think it was it was central. Yeah, we may be upgrading that to a plus. I I would agree. I would agree. Uh, Jamie, are you are you sticking to the solid A for all corn, or would you would you would you push to a to a plus? I'm gonna stick with the solid plus A. Meaning, um, I, okay. Yeah, I I think letting them back, uh, let McNeese back in it. Um, you know, what was, you know, a little bit of a deficiency. So I give them a solid A, uh, no A pluses. Okay. I, I, I'm going to give, I got to give Central the plus, you know, we're talking a top 25 team and a dominating performance against the top 25 team. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to upgrade on the road. I'm going to upgrade that to a plus. I, I can't argue no, no penalty or no turnovers in the ball game. Six um, penalties, very, very respectable. Yeah, twelve or fifteen on third down um, on yeah. the road. I a plus performance by North Carolina Central against a top twenty-five team. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I'm I'm in agreement with you there, Central. It was either all corn or Central, so I'm glad that both of you two. I, I was on the same page with both of you there. Um, and uh, okay, so worst worst grade among the ten. Now, Jamie, you said Southern. So where would you what what letter grade are you giving them? I'm gonna give them a D. Um, I, I think, you know, you're talking about them being uncertain. I, I think, and maybe it was our fault for believing that this team was was going to be as dominant. Um, well, mo- most people I know, you know, for 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 you, B, I don't think you 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 know drank the cool, the Southern Kool Aid. Um, at media day, I remember that. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So it might be our faults more than anything. So maybe I should upgrade that to a C minus. Uh, but they just didn't look, they didn't look the part at all. Like they, you know, no offensive continuity. They got, you know, chewed up by Andrew body, um, on defense. I, you know, listen right now they're lingering. I'm gonna get them a C minus. You're 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 you, nice. You, you're, you're a nice. good teacher because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. 
Because right there with you, you did not right there with you. You did not read the homework. It has been proven. All you have to do is run the ball against Texas Southern, but you decide you want to come out and throw the ball. You did not read the homework. You did not read the assignment. You, you, it's like trying to do a book report without reading the book. I would have given them yep. an F, but that's your grade, Jamie. That, that is all right. My <laughs> team actually. I'm sorry, I had to throw that in because I thought I was supposed to pick a different team. No, you don't have to pick a different team. Hold on, hold on. I don't want this to be just – I don't want this to just be – hey, if that's your team, you got a different grade, and I have a different grade grade. as well. Yes, I I gave them an F too, probably an F plus. So, I mean, you know, you can't be plus (laughs) and minus with F. F squared plus. Like Dr. Scooby, F squared. (laughs) Yeah. I give them an F. I mean, look – you 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 committed five turnovers, and I'm counting the change of turnover on downs. Five turnovers, scored zero points after you beat somebody eighty-two to nothing. F that F pride got in the way, just bad all the way around. I, what was your ex? What, what's your F based on, Drew? I just said it. You did okay. not read the book. Before you came up in here and tried to give me a book report, a standing book report, you did not read the book. You watched the movie. You didn't read the book. You remember how we got used to the, do that? Got the, to, got the characters' you, names wrong. I mean, you didn't even yeah. read the cliff notes. Do they still do cliff notes? <laughs> I think they do. They're no good though. They don't work. Teachers are smarter these days. They probably always were, but we we're smarter now that we understand how it works. Uh, all right. So yeah, Southern gets the consensus uh, lowest grade on the board, and highest grade is a split between Central and Alcorn. All right. Let's go to the uh, mid major division non D one level. Jamie, who gets your best grade from the weekend? Out of the top Shaw, 10 teams. Uni- Shaw University. Uh listen, Shaw went up there and slayed board, okay. that 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 beast. Um, and so I'm giving them an A, a solid A. Uh, because I think they had been knocking at that door, so it didn't blow them out, but they did what they needed to do to to solidify that victory. And I think it goes a long way to show what that program is. So solid A for Shaw. Okay. Okay. Uh, how about you, uh, Drew? This one is kind of tough. I've got three of them that I am that are like right there in, in, in that A category. So me signaling out one, it's tough. But if I have to single one out, I have got to go with the Albany State victory over Shorter, over another Gulf South opponent. That makes Albany State 2-0 over the Gulf South. Helps the conference rating along with the uh, Tuskegee victory uh, over a Gulf South opponent. Conference rating for the SIAC just went up. Who knows, especially as good as these teams in the SIAC East are, someone is going to be left out. These victories by Albany State's and Tuskegee's and, uh, and some of these other people, Tuskegee, I mean, excuse me, the SIC is what, 3-1 against the CIAA this year thus far, something like that. You know, 
these may be the things that get that left out team still into the playoffs. So I've got to give it to Albany State. Um, I'm glad you. I'm, glad well, I'm you sorry. That's that. an A. That's an A. I, I never said the grade. That's that is an A. Solid, solid A, solid A. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I the top the Virginia Union. I'm small between them and Benedict, honestly. So yeah. I, well, I, I I, I'm looking at Benedict. I'll I'll give Benedict the uh, solid A um, performance um, on national television at home. And I think the fact that they beat Savannah State, who just coming off of a good win, um, just reemphasizes the level of focus that I think Benedict is playing with this year. Uh, not quite an A plus, but just a solid A. And, and you know, I'm I'm probably nitpicking because, I mean, I I would probably, you know, give. They may be a point better than Union and a point better than Langston and, and Albany State. You know, I, I mean, it's, I'm nitpicking over. I mean, at this point, the difference in the grade is, did you do what I told you to do and put your name in the top right corner? And then underneath, did you put the grade uh, that you're in and the class period? You know, sometimes kids put the name on the left side. I say, put it on the right side. Then you put it on the left. And I wouldn't normally penalize you, but when I'm looking to – I'm trying to look at the separate, I got to go with the one who followed directions. So, anyway, that, that's how – For, for me, it's Albany State kid turned in the report in, a, in, a, in one of those old report covers. So, that's my separation. <laughs> they took the extra time to go. put it in a report cover. <laughs> versus just had to, be, had to be a piece of paper. All right, all right. Worst uh, grade among the Vince, Langston was the other team that I was torn uh, between uh, Mitch and also. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. T- t- 24 points they gave up. I, I need you to give up less. I mean, solid A minus, but you give up more, give up less yeah. points. And if you want that good solid A, you give up less points. Okay, uh, Jamie, worst grade goes to who? And this is tough Man, because uh, eight of the ten teams in the top ten won. So this is tough. Who gets the worst grade? This is tough, man, because when we're talking about just who who's in contention and, and just, you know, uh, in, in general, I guess you would have to give it to Bowie State. Um, you know, as Shaw was my winner, um, you know, Bowie State, you know, letting them – you know, hang around and, and just be there, you know, at the end to actually get this victory. Um, Bowie State would have to get my worst grade, but I, I guess you would call it, um, you know, I, I, maybe my grading is a little too little too easy. Uh, you know, maybe I, you know, I believe in second chances for, 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 for my kids, you know. So I'm going to give them a D. I'm going to give them a D in this one um, because I think they'll be fine and may – See this team again uh, in the championship. Mm. All right. Uh, what about you, Drew? Got to go with Savannah. They're the only other team in the top ten that lost. So I've got to go with Savannah. Uh, I would give them – I would still give them a CC minus. 
no, Dustin Dustin at the half can't can't give you anything for it, but I can't take anything away from you either because it was nothing nothing at the half because the first half both of them left points out there on on the board. The problem with Savannah State is the way their offense is designed, if they get down by more than one score, they are pretty much toast at Savannah State, the way their offense is designed. They're still a predominantly running team who's trying to figure out how to pass. They want to pass the ball more. They just aren't quite there and have not got the players that they really need to fully transition to that. But it spurts. They are good passing the ball, but we see we saw them go to it a little bit too often. And the other thing, Savannah State, when you play Benedict, two hands on the ball. You have got to hold on to the ball because Benedict leads Division Two in force focus. So those are the things that I'm knocking off Savannah State for. I'm giving them a C minus though, because because they they were in the game until the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would agree with you in your C minus. Um, Bowie would probably be getting a solid C. I mean, you, you had the game up until the end when you didn't have it. <laughs> you outrushed, you outgained them by nearly 150 yards. You did everything to win, but win. Um, so you know, solid C performance for Bowie. And, and then, yeah, like you said, C minus prime time. Good effort for about three quarters by Savannah State, but you didn't close the deal. I don't want to give you a D. Because you did, like you said, you did play well enough, uh, but you just didn't close it. So, yeah, C minus, C minus. Okay, um, very quickly here, um, you know, it's, Drew, it's interesting that we have Jamie on with us here through the first three weeks of the of our of our picks contest. Guess who's sitting in first place with an overall record of fourteen and one in our pick five weekly contest? None other than that guy. Nope. Let me see. This way. That guy, Jamie Walker. <laughs> Jamie Walker. Uh currently 14 and 1 over the course of three weeks. Back to back five and oh uh uh last week, this past weekend, he went five and oh. You and I and uh let's see the other pickers this week, uh Kelvin, BJ Jones, and uh Mike Reed all went four and one. So that's this week. On the season, uh Drew, you are in fourth place with a twelve and three overall record, and I'm sitting right behind you, pretty much in last among us who've been doing it every week at eleven and four. I'm averaging one loss a week. So uh Nevis to say uh, that that's why initially I wasn't sure who won the Texas Southern Southern game because uh, they had it as a win at first and they had to fix that on the uh, sheet that we're playing on. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought Texas Southern won. <coughs> and then, so anyway, but uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to ask for obviously uh, the entire schedule, but maybe Jamie, is there a game? that you are looking forward to highlighting week number four for you? Oh, wow. Um, let me see something real quick. Just to, just to, cause I know the one that I'm 
calling per se. Um, but as far as right. one that I'm don't looking that forward one. to, right. huh? <laughs> oh yeah. So I was saying, yeah, don't tell us that one. But, well, yeah, you I, can tell I, us what I, game it is, but then you know. Um, you know what? I'm looking forward on a D2 level because uh, it's just kind of looking at them real fast. Tuskegee and Allen. Uh, we talked about um, that in particular. Uh, we talked about Allen being able to sneak up on people. And David Wright at at the quarterback position, um, man, I'm going to tell you, phenomenal. He was phenomenal in his freshman year. I was able to, you know, call a game of his when they played Clark Atlanta last year. And they, you know, he does work. Um, but Tuskegee, I think, is coming into their own. With this win against West Alabama, I think now, you know, you're st- again, you're seeing Reggie Ruffin's, you know, imprint on this team, them being balanced. You know, those stats that AD gave earlier as far as time of possession, you know, rushing and passing. And they have a two-quarterback attack, too, although I think Nettles probably got the majority. This is just me guessing, literally. Nettles probably got the majority of the time. I'm not sure. But um, – but I tell you what, I'm looking forward to that game. Definitely looking forward. Actually, Nettles has been out. I really? think Nettles is hurt right now. Yeah, Williams got okay. a majority of the snaps this past game. Uh, not quite sure what's what's up with Nettles, but I think he has pretty much been out uh, the last game or so. All right, um, Drew, how about you? And uh, what game are you looking forward to? Week three. All right. Week four, excuse me. I, I, I just get one? Yes, just one. For the sake of time, okay. just one. Oh, I, uh, but then it has to be uh, Union traveling down to Fayetteville. If you ask me for one game, that has to be the game. Uh, game of the week in the CIAA. It should be the game of the week in the CIAA. Should be the game yes. of the week against or bit majors or non-HBCUs or whatever you classify them as, uh, that game could be the preview. I, I know what you just said, Jamie, but that could be the preview of the CIAA championship in which uh, Virginia Union would have a pseudo-home game only having to travel to Salem, Virginia, for that championship game. That's the one I'm looking forward to. All right. Um, you know, I, I tell you guys to only pick one, and I look at the board, and I'm like, God gone, Drew took mine. Um, <laughs> oh, there's one more <laughs> out was, there that, I, that I'm curious about, well, but I'm going to stay away from that one only because I'm involved in it. So, And I'm not even talking I about, thought about that of it. I, I thought I, about that I'm, one, too. I'm staying, I know I'm, exactly I'm staying away from it. Talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, if if you are you referring to the game in Greensboro, North Carolina, between South Carolina State and North Carolina A&T, is that the of one you could I be am. talking about? Because uh, I'd rather of talk course. about that than the Alabama A&M, Florida A&M game in Tallahassee. Uh, yes, uh, A&T, 0-3. Nobody really thought, well, I don't know, maybe some people thought, maybe 1-2. and two. But I don't think anyone thought 0-3. Um, South Carolina State is just 1-1. One one. I, I still – I need to see it. This, this is a show-me game for both. Both of these teams could 
win their conference. One of these teams could end up in the playoffs. Hell, who knows? The way things are going, both of them could end up in the playoffs. You know, it's it's possible. <laughs> okay. Uh, Drew shakes his head. But somebody who doesn't show up loses this game badly. Yeah, you're see- the season changes instantly for whomever comes out on the wrong side of this game. Uh, South Carolina State had a bye. Uh, A&T had to play Duke. Uh, that, that was uh, is what it is. They did score 20. I think it was the final, like 47 to 20 or something like that. 49, so, to, yeah, I mean, 49 to 20. 49 to 20, yeah. So they scored a couple of touchdowns. Um, but I I want to see, you know, I want to see South. I feel like A&T, their identity – I feel like a fan base is lost in the woods with a loss right here. And that this, so I, I look at this game, like who has to have a win. I feel like A&T has to have a win. They have to win this game. South Carolina state season is still young. Um, and, and they've got a couple more non-conference games that are big as well, but A&T. Yeah. You got to have this win. You, you, you need a win right now. So, I, that's the game I'm looking at. North Carolina A&T cannot afford to lose this game and have Edward Waters be the only potential win against an HBC. Be the first win. <laughs> I, not only could it be that first win, but the only win against an HBCU, I, I don't know about Aggie Pride. But Aggies may you may have Aggie pride, but your HBCU street cred will be questioned if you if if not only if you lose this game to South Carolina State, but later on when you got Norfolk on the schedule, you know some people go question that that street cred that a that A and T has and say we'll see you on the track. This is the thing; they still have the Big South. Firmly ahead of them. Um, oh, yeah. I talked to, and nobody in the world expected them to lose the Central. Nobody. Um, even though everything was right there in front because Central had the better and more experienced team. Crazy enough. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just that A&T had been beating them so bad the last few years that it was like, okay, it was a no-brainer. People thought it would be close. This is what I always would always uh, thought and kind of what I, what I alluded to um, on another uh, pod. I thought they would split with either Central or South Carolina State. I think they can beat South Carolina State. And I think Corey Fields is the reason why they can beat South Carolina State. If you look at what happened last year in that game, South Carolina State had the game. Corey Fields got hurt. A&T was able to get back in it. I think they are better offensively now. And I think this Duke game allowed them to be able to play some other people and see what the formula can be. I don't think they had a quarterback plan going in. I think they it was still, you know, they wanted to play Zach Yeager. They, and, you know, the freshman Eli Brickhandler came in against the Duke game, and that was the only really piece of offensive continuity you saw. You saw Tootin. You saw um, 
um, the other kid behind him, and you also saw Charlie Dixon. They are getting back to their identity now. Defensively, they have still been in ball games. It's just the fact that something happens on special teams so much that they're already behind the eight ball when they get into a game. Duke was already up 21-0 before the first quarter even ended. So I think they were already behind. Um, I think against different competition and the way that South Carolina State plays football, I think they'll be in this game. I think they'll be just fine, and I think they'll win the game, in fact, in Greensboro. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It's, it's not just the fandom. It's just kind of how the matchup develops for me. And I think, I don't know if it'll be announced, but look for Eli Brickhandler to start this game, the, the, the true freshman, because they look better. He looked better playing Duke than any other other quarterbacks. Jay, we got to ask you this one question before we switch on mm -hmm. to this. What would be more to an Aggie fan this year? Winning the Big South? I guess the big impact. Winning the Big South or losing those those three HBCU games to those FCS HBCUs? Which one would you rather have? I mean, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Would, would it be bittersweet to win the Big South but still lose to Norfolk, South Carolina State, and Central? Had had we are had we still have Central to go, I would say losing the us beating Central would be more important. Now, if ANT wins the Big South, they go to the playoffs. What are you going to say about this team? You know what I'm saying? Like like with everything firmly in front of them, with already losing to Central, if you beat South Carolina State and end up winning out. Even if you lose to Norfolk State and you win the Big South, you're in the playoffs. If if there wasn't so much at stake or so much that you actually could still do, I would say losing to all your HBCU opponents uh, would be probably the worst part. But if you right the ship and, and, and honestly win the Big South, which that's in question too because I think though all of those teams are much improved. Um, except for maybe a couple. You know, you're talking about Garner Webb, you're talking about Charleston Southern, saw them this weekend. Um, you know, they're, they're competing, but they're not where A&T is, I think. Um, but we'll see. Campbell's right up there. And those matchups, that matchup with Central is also interesting as well. But um, I think it's um, – you would rather see an Aggie fan right now because we've already lost to Central win the Big South. All right. Well said. Hey, uh, fellas, we got to get out of here. It's time to go. We appreciate uh, the the reboot episode. Uh, appreciate your time, Jamie. Appreciate you, Drew. Uh, I know I'm gassed. Um, I, and look, I, I love I love just talking hours with you guys. But uh, the House of the that Dragon is out. calling me. Yeah, just not a, not a, not so late after so many hours and. Uh, Props to everybody in the chat room, uh, especially you guys who came back for the reboot. Uh, you know, we really appreciate you. Uh, make sure that you uh, hit that thumbs up, uh, hit the bell, so that way you can be notified anytime that uh, we are putting our shows on the uh, YouTube feed. Of course, you can always catch the shows of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Uh, you'll also catch Carlos Brown's show, the ONG Strike Zone on Wednesday nights. Um, and uh, also go follow the BCSN Pod Zone. All of the shows that we do, 
appear on the BCSN Pod Zone. Uh, you can download and listen to that stream any and everywhere that you listen and download the podcast. We're on Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, all that good stuff. Uh, your support, your ratings, your likes, your thumbs ups, your stars, your donations, they mean a lot. They're much appreciated. And uh, we hope we can uh, continue to uh, give you some content and give you some information that helps you. Uh, your input is invaluable. Lots of great info from you guys. We're going to keep carrying the discussion forward. Uh, you can always reach us on our social media at DRB365 is where you can find me. Uh, Drew is at BCSN Drew. Jamie is Sport Voice JW. That's Sport Voice JW uh, on Twitter as well. So uh, that's going to do it uh, for tonight. D2Football.com. D2Football.com is where you can find Drew's articles. The recap, I'm sure, will be coming up soon. Uh, Jamie, any other plugs you want to give before we wrap up? Yeah, man. You're going to start seeing a little bit more content from me. Um, just not on a written level, but you'll see some some tape comments and just questions being asked about upcoming games, something I'm launching called HBC Sport Voice. Okay, nice. Nice, look forward uh, one, to that. One last plug. Jamie and I will be on the Benedict-Kentucky State game this Saturday evening in Columbia, South Carolina. So uh, I'll be on All the right. play-by-play. Jamie will be the analyst, and we, we'll see what happens at that particular game. Uh, should be a quick game the way these two teams play. <laughs> and that game, and uh, we're – I was no, no, say, no. I was where will we? Say, where can we find that game go, at? It'll be at six o'clock uh, Eastern time start. Uh, that's going to be on HBCU League Class Plus and all, all of the Black College Sports Networks platforms that you just mentioned. There, Brian. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, guys. Uh, I'm shutting the book. I'm shutting it down. It's time to go. Thank you, everybody, for watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Shout out to producer Mel from the first uh, version of the show that we tried to do. And uh, so uh, it's all love. And so we appreciate everybody for hanging in with the reboot. And um, stay tuned. We'll have more to come. Thank you for watching. For AD Drew and Jamie Walker, I'm Brian Fulford. Peace out, everybody. Mahalo. Your mouth, you stay on hard.